0: I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Friday, and I'm here with Anna Navarro. This is Behind the Table. It is Friday. I'm very thankful. How are you, Anna Navarro?
1: I'm doing fine. Oh, okay. good. can't believe we've gotten to uh, it without any major issues this week. Knock on wood. Knock on wood if you can find it. Well, of course, we Nyan. still have a podcast to get through where I can do all sorts of things. Yes,
0: of course. So we had Annette Bening on the show today. She's in the new movie, Naiad about the swimmer Diane Naiad. She's a great guest, really passionate guest, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you love this movie, and that brings me to another point you are suddenly becoming pop culture aware in a way. It's taken, you've been on The View seven years on and off, I think. You are suddenly starting to know who people are. You texted me during the Golden Globe Awards and said, I know who 30% of these people are. And that was a really big win for Which you.
1: Which is about 25% more than I usually would have yeah. known. Yes. Uh, no, I I was uh, really taken by the Golden Globes. I was watching and I was even watching it for... Uh, for the fashion, um, I thought the host. I know Whoopi loves him and was defending him, but really, I found it painful. Uh, he's been here a couple of times, Joe Boy. He yeah. could not be nicer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, even people you like have a really bad night, and he Certainly. had uh, a very bad night that that night.
0: And you texted me to that uh, and point. This
1: Nayand movie, yeah. I watched it even before knowing, because you know you the, mm-hmm. the, the the briefers here and the producers, and they they help us uh, get prepared for all the interviews so that, you know, we, we get all the books from the authors that are coming on. We get all the movies, all the links to watch all the things so we know what we're asking about. But this one I watched on Netflix even before knowing that she was coming on, and I absolutely loved it. I loved Naya, the story of this marathon swimmer who made it between Cuba and Key West, which has a lot of significance for me. Remember, I live in Miami, and there's a lot of Cuban immigrants who, uh, you know, who are fleeing Castro, who are fleeing Cuba, who who come by raft and don't even make it on a raft or come by boat. And so I remember this story. I remember uh, you know watching this story on local news in Miami because it involved so much. You know, it was our coastline and I was rooting for her, even though I knew the end of the story. I was like, come on, come on, you got to make it. You got to make it. it is a terrific movie. I think she is. Absolutely wonderful. I fell in love with her uh, in Bugsy. Oh, sure. And have loved her uh, The American President since. for
0: me is my favorite Annette Bening movie. Um, really? Yeah, I love that. But I'm an Aaron Sorkin uh, diehard, so I love that whole West Wing, all that stuff. So.
1: And, you know, she is so incredibly grounded. I also love her activism when it comes to trans rights yes. and her talking openly about her trans son and right. sticking up for him. And I think it really takes that, right? Mm-hmm. It takes people who have LGBTQ plus folks in their lives, in their families, in their circles, normalizing it and talking about how they are just humans, how they go about life as just humans, how they love, how they suffer, how they feel, how they have joys, how they have successes, how they have challenges, and how they don't want to groom anybody's children Mm -hmm. and how it's not contagious, you know? The fact that your kid sees a drag queen or your kid sees a trans person does not mean your kid is going to turn into a trans person. So please, folks, stop being so bigoted and ignorant and just stop picking on them for political purposes. It's shameful. So I'm really glad at Annette Benning's activism on this.
0: Yeah, I, I was really touched by what she said. And um, I, I think it was interesting to say how she's progressed in speaking out about it and valuing privacy at one point, as anyone would for their family, but then realizing the stakes are just too high to you be know, quiet. You know, the first
1: trans person I ever met, his name is Rigo, and he is the son of a Republican congresswoman who was my representative for over 20 years, Ileana Ross-Layton, mm-hmm. a Cuban-American from Miami, represented my district, had a very high rating, like a 100% rating with the Christian coalition, And her son, Rigo, that's the first time I knew somebody that I, you know, that I had seen grown up. And so my point is, it's not a partisan issue. It's a human (laughs) issue. Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, Sonny Bono. Yeah. Chas, yeah. he was a Republican congressman mm-hmm. uh, when he died. So, you know, so we've got to stop being partisan uh, about this and we've got to be human about the way we feel about uh, LGBTQ+. plus.
0: Absolutely. Um, I agree. Speaking of partisan politics, former Congresswoman Liz Cheney told us earlier this week that she doesn't see the GOP surviving and that the party will need something new after 2024. I was really happy with uh Congresswoman Cheney coming here and I thought that it was a really terrific interview. Um you were a part of getting that interview here and I'm appreciative of that. W- what were your takeaways?
1: Well, you know, she was when she was sitting next to me and um she got a standing ovation when she came out. And this is a table and I and I said this to her while she was a- on air and I want to repeat it here. There's a, you know, there's a lot of folks with whom we've had conflicts. There's a lot of folks who we've been critical of, who we've said tough things about we have said tough things about Liz Cheney mm-hmm. in the past. And there's a lot of folks, uh, Rhonda <clears throat> DeSantis and many, many, many others who don't then have the guts to come to the view. And I always think to myself, if you don't have the guts to come and sit at this table and face questions from these women, then how dare you think that you can, you know... Uh, be qualified to lead in any way and actually confront some of our foreign foes and domestic issues and all of those things. So I thanked her for being here, despite the fact that we have been very tough on her. But I said to her off the air, I said, you know, are you like uh, having an out of body experience right now at the way you're being greeted um, here on, on the view? Um, And she said, yes, she was. She said she was nervous uh, about being here. Um, She said that on the air that she was actually
0: nervous, which is so strange. Striking to me because, you know, it's someone who uh, really has stood up in front of the most powerful people Mm -hmm. in the world. And
1: I listened to her show, to her book. You Mm -hmm. know, now uh, I I told you I lost my audible virginity with My Name is Barbara, the (laughs) Barbara Streisand story. And now I'm hooked on this. And it was so striking. And I, you know, I said to her uh, off the air, we all know the story of January 6th. And, you know, and I remember watching all of these hearings, um, I had forgotten some of these things. And when I heard her talk about them again, I got angry and outraged uh, all over again. I think she's done such a favor for history because what what happened in January 6th, not only do we need to keep it from ever happening again, but we also have to make sure that future generations know just how frail our democracy is and that we have a duty to defend it. I have the greatest respect for her because she has really put country over party and she has put principle over politics and personal ambition. Her stance cost her, cost her for real, cost her her job, cost her her place in leadership, cost her her identity as a Republican. I mean, this is a Cheney for God's sakes. Yeah. There has been a, chain, a Republican Cheney representing Wyoming for, and, and now you know she's being shunned by um, by these people. So I was I was really grateful that she came uh, and that the interview went well. And you said it rated really well.
0: Yeah, no, everyone tuned in, uh, which is not surprising to me at all. But it was a very very high rated show. Um, she also mentioned that she is not ru- ruled out running for president. Would you like to see her do that?
1: No. Because I think she's going to lose. I mean, what's she going to run as? If she runs as a Republican, she, you know, she there's no way she makes it out of a primary in the current state. Mm-hmm. She can, you know, she can play a role like Chris Christie did, where she can, you know, be a truth teller. But no, I don't think she's got a chance of winning a Republican primary right now. I mean, she couldn't win. She couldn't win in Wyoming, right? right? I certainly don't think she can run as a Democrat. And I don't think this country is prepared. You, ha- you, we, we can lay the groundwork for it, and we can work on it, but it's going to take. It's going to take many years to really establish a viable third party. That's not something that you do overnight. Um, I have been thinking, you know, what what role can she play? And I hope that if it is Biden versus Trump and it looks likely that that will be the rematch. I hope she does bring herself to endorse Biden and maybe campaign for him and signal to Republicans who might be on the fence or right-leaning independence, that it's okay that the water is warm. And I will tell you, as somebody who's gone through this, when you have been a Republican your entire life, and an active Republican, and a a, a Republican in her case, an elected Republican in my case, a Republican activist and a Republican uh, political hack, when it's been part of your, your life and your identity, voting for somebody who's not Republican when you've been voting Republican your entire life is hard. People think it's easy. It's not easy. It's hard. In 2016, you will remember, Mm -hmm. I schlepped my absentee ballot around in my luggage (laughs) for about six weeks before I could bring myself. And I used to say, people used to ask me, who are you going to vote for? And I would say, well, I'm not voting for Trump. I'm going to write in my mother. I'm going to write in. And um, it took me six weeks to get to the point where I brought myself to vote for Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. Part of it is because I live in Florida, and at that point, Florida was a purple state, and I knew a vote, a vote yeah. mattered, right? I, I lived through, um, through Bush-Gore that mm-hmm. was decided by 534 votes. And so it's an evolution. Uh, it really takes reconciling. But uh, frankly, I hope to see Liz Cheney, if it comes to be Trump versus Biden, I hope to see Liz Cheney endorse and vote for Joe Biden and it'd be great if she did it here, if she said it uh here. So let's um let's see how this develops. We've got the caucuses and primaries starting.
0: Yeah, I mean you've been uh you obviously are a supporter of Joe Biden, but you've been in that position as recently as the last uh governor election in Florida where you had both sides of the ballot you really were not pleased with and have to make a decision. So, I detested
1: them yeah uh, both. Um she's you know she says something that's very important in her book. She says We can survive four years of bad policy. Mm -hmm. She thinks Joe Biden has bad policy. She disagrees with his policies. But we cannot survive Donald Trump, who wants to destroy the Constitution. And I think that's where we have to get to. What are the alternatives? If it's a binary choice, it's the choice between somebody who is uh, indicted, 91 charges, promoted an insurrection, had his family and cronies in the White House monetizing on on the presidency, or Joe Biden, who you might disagree with his policies. That's perfectly fine. But as long as we are like in the same spectrum of of human values and decency and truth, truth, that's like my that's you know, I'm, I'm a one issue voter right now. <laughs> truth, uh, truth, <laughs> truth and democracy.
0: Yeah, well, those are important things for sure. We'll be right back after this. We have Vice President Kamala Harris on the show next Wednesday. This is very exciting. What do you think are the biggest misconceptions about her?
1: Biggest misconception? That she doesn't know what she's doing. That she's not doing anything. That she's not involved, that she's a token. Kamala Harris is in a supreme, is a very qualified, very smart, very experienced woman, a pioneer whom I know pretty well. She's there for people. She's there for her friends. She's there for people. I will never stop being grateful for her call when my mom died. Um, remember, her mom died. Her and Maya's mom died mm-hmm. yeah. um, of cancer. And she talked to me for... 40 plus minutes helping me process grief and talking to me about how each of our griefs is unique. I can't tell you how much it helped me. You know, you know what I think about all the time is she she's the first female vice president, but she's also given us the first second gentleman. Mm -hmm. And it's been a very seamless thing. Doug Enhoff gave up An incredibly lucrative, successful career. He was an entertainment lawyer in a major law firm, national law firm. And he gave that up to go support his wife, support this administration, and be part of this for no pay Mm -hmm. and with uh, very little staff. And he's been out there during COVID trying to get people to get vaccinated. He's been out there speaking against anti-Semitism and also against islamophobia i so appreciate what he has done and that he's going to go down in history uh, as this he's i i think yeah, it's not um, talked about
0: enough i agree no, with you about yeah. that yeah
1: we gotta get him on the show
0: i would love to have him on the show absolutely switching gears in a major way we've talked about this story on the show about how dogs mirror their owner's personality um we know bernie is joy i don't i think the only one who isn't really believing that is joy <laughs> Everybody else sees it. Uh, But you got called out by Sarah in the Hot Topics meeting because Cha-Cha is happy and positive at all times with everyone.
1: And maybe you're not. First of all, Sarah Haynes has no right to talk about my dog. (laughs) Sarah Haynes betrayed my dog. I know. Sarah Haynes voted against my dog Mm -hmm. to be the view champion. Yes. And so she really has lost all moral standing (laughs) to even utter a word when it comes to my poodle. Yep. I think Chacha has some similarities with me. Uh, she's very bougie. Mm-hmm. Chacha eats everything and likes to snuggle up to um, to every man she sees. So, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Chacha and I are good.
0: The, what, my favorite thing about Chacha is, so when you're arriving in the morning and Chacha's here, um, the elevator door opens and she heralds you. Before we have any idea that you're there, Chacha does a lap around the bullpen Make sure everybody sees it. Basically, announcing your presence, it's and she very, says yeah. hello
1: to everyone. Every single person. That being said, yeah. that being including Sarah Haynes, who doesn't be, uh, deserve it. But mm-hmm. that being said, Chacha has a love affair with Whoopi Goldberg. I, was I mean, gonna that bring is that mutual. Up. Yeah, that is true. And and Whoopi's a cat person.
0: She is, and and Whoopi and Bernie not really getting along.
1: Chacha will throw herself in my arms when Whoopi walks into the Hot Topics meeting, and yes. just you know, and they have to have a moment.
0: Yes, absolutely. And she values that. What makes Whoopi very happy. I to think see part she, of that. it
1: is, I think when I'm not watching, uh, Whoopi is feeding her things.
0: I think that's certainly possible. You know, I think it's certainly possible. I mean,
1: Whoopi, you know, has been known to eat hash browns in the morning.
0: Yes, <laughs> it could be possible. All right. Um, we were talking about Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's secretive hospitalization on the show today after it was revealed to be complications resulting from prostate cancer treatment. You thought there was a very important point in this story.
1: Look, it's it's something that's honestly, um, I don't have a prostate, and I know more about prostates than organs I actually do have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a part of my life. The you know, my husband has had issues, my father has had issues, some of my best friends uh, Very have had issues. I mean, I've I've now become the person that when somebody gets a prostate diagnosis, like they call me for referrals and and advice and and questions. And I'm very disappointed with Secretary Lloyd Austin, who I've met and I respect. He's an incredibly imposing figure. He's I, I just I have the utmost respect for him and the job he's doing. But he really screwed up by not being transparent, certainly with the precedent and with his second in command about what was happening to him. And I and I hope that now that we all know that he was that he's in the hospital because of complications of prostate surgery and prostate surgery it's very few people who have the type of complications he's having i read it something like less than a than 1%. i th- i hope he uses his platform to talk about prostate cancer and to encourage men to get checked to encourage black men and latino men in particular to get checked because here's the truth i think most men uh somehow equate prostate to masculinity and their manhood and mm-hmm and are afraid of erectile dysfunction if they have to get surgery. I live with a man who's had it, Mm -hmm. and everything works. Everything works uh, too damn well. (laughs) There's been incredible advances when it comes to prostate surgery. There's now robotic surgery. There's all sorts of things that preserve the nerves. And so we have to get over the stigma of men in particular yeah. have to get over this stage I think
0: also just men in general are reluctant to go to doctors more than they should be. I think men in general, my father had breast cancer, male right. breast cancer, which is very rare and something he actually, every time he sees someone do a breast cancer awareness month or something like that, Whoopi's always very good about mentioning men need to get checked too. But it's, uh, I think there is definitely for other people a fear and, and embarrassment, and I think that's ridiculous.
1: You got yeah, because men are ridiculous. Listen, yeah. as as a woman, yes, you know, since we are teenagers, we're going to OBGYNs and we are having all sorts of things checked and inserted and squeezed and all these things and looked at. Right, mm-hmm. that's what that that comes with the territory of being a woman. Men. You know, it's this this prostate exam and you'd think that you're getting asked to walk the plank and, you know, be driven into a torture. I chamber. mean, it's not
0: pleasant. I'm just going to oh, say, I got to be honest, whining. like it, it's not something you're, you know, th- that glove comes on. I'm just saying, and I understand if the reluctance had to
1: have the, I, uh, the things we get done yeah. to us in gynecological exams. You all would be dead.
0: I, it's very likely true. Um, but
1: and and yeah. uh, talking about this uh, subject, I'm I'm. I'm so touched um, by the courage and grace of Michael Strahan and his daughter, Isabella. Me too. Talking And also my colleague, Sarah Seidner at CNN, CNN. Yeah. who also made the point, uh, who, who was diagnosed with breast cancer and is working through it as she gets uh, all sorts of treatment. And she also made the point of the very high incidence uh, of untreated breast cancer in uh, women of color. And it's you know we just we as people of color gotta get over it and we gotta go to doctors and we've gotta get treated and we've just gotta be proactive about this, uh, and and uh, you know and it also highlights the inequality, in in the healthcare system.
0: Absolutely, no, it, it's it's. Uh, definitely worth talking about. But when I you think.
1: go get a prostate exam, if you want me to come and be your cheering section. Oh, I appreciate you know, that, with, Anna. Ch- you, or I yeah. can give you cha-cha. You can hug cha-cha.
0: I, I, I'll, I'll take cha-cha. as yeah, the good. a therapy dog. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Anna. Monday, I'll be sitting down with Sonny for a very special Martin Luther King Jr. Day episode. In the meantime, if you have a question or want some advice from me or a co-host, you can check the episode description for the number to our new Behind the Table hotline. People are leaving messages. They're telling us what they want to know from you, from uh, the other hosts, from me. Oh, they
1: should leave messages in Spanish, so that then they really confuse you. Yeah,
0: that'll definitely do it. I, do, do
1: people know you come up to me and ask me to about, read
0: the reviews? To read the reviews that
1: are in Spanish.
0: I'm grateful for you. And I yeah. make
1: up things. Are you making things up? Of course, I'm making. things All right, up. I'm
0: going to use Google. They're Translate. talking
1: horrible. Th- they're saying horrible things about you. in I Spanish. I knew it.
0: I knew <laughs> it. All right, I'm going to. That just ruined my weekend. Um, but thank you for being here. And if you get a moment, please subscribe, follow. Leave us a uh, rating, leave us a review, and we will see you on Monday. He actually reads the reviews. I read all of the reviews. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
1: Behind the Table is executive produced by Brian Tedda. Supervising producers are Nathan Getty and Summer Shake with production assistant Emily Darcy. The vice president of ABC Audio is Liz Alessi and the executive producer of podcast programming is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Lori Hogan, Susie Liu, Meg Fierro, Enza Dolce Nini, Josh Cohan, Ariel Chester, Frankie Perez, Audrey Mostek, and Dana Schaefer.